Yo, yo, it's Digsy's baby, the podcast, episode number 12, a.k.a. Joe Willie Namath. Now, before we get to everything in the New York sports world, big news just came out over the wire about 15, 20 minutes ago. Odell Beckham Jr. will be signing with the L.A. Rams. And it's a very exciting thing for me because before the season, if you were listening, you know, probably about seven, eight episodes ago, Diggsy's put a future bet on the Rams to win the Super Bowl. My other future bet was the Titans to win the Super Bowl. And as we stand right now, the Titans are the number one team in the AFC. The Rams are in a wild card spot right now in the NFC. And I also put in a parlay that the Rams and Titans will both win the conference and play each other in the Super Bowl. So that's what Diggsies is rooting for for the rest of this year. Go Rams, go Titans. The Giants got another win this past week against the Las Vegas Raiders. They're starting to put things together. Um, but again, who knows? where this season will take them. Some injured stars are starting to get back. Evan Engram has been looking good. But the big news of the day, Odell Beckham's going to the Rams. And you knew all along that Odell Beckham wanted to be in Los Angeles. He wanted to be in La La Land. When the Giants shipped him off to Cleveland, they hoped that he would crash and burn. He did just that in Cleveland. But now he is under the bright lights of Los Angeles. He has a competent veteran starting quarterback throwing him the ball, Matt Stafford. He has Cooper Cup, Robert Woods to take some um, exposure off Odell. And I really think that he's going to thrive in LA because let's be honest, for Odell Beckham's career, this is, uh, I don't want to say it's his last shot, but it kind of is his last shot. He forced his way out out of New York. Well, not so much, but he was such a headache. They got rid of him. He went to Cleveland. He didn't mesh with Baker Mayfield. Um, He was injured last year with the ACL and it's just drama with Odell Beckham and you have to think that how many more teams are willing to take a chance on him so it's do or die for Odell Beckham in LA if he can't get things going with the Rams then you know what Honestly, with his contract running out at the end of this year, somebody will take a flyer on him, but he's not going to get paid the money that Odell thinks he's worth. So Odell is with the Rams. I think that is a great addition for the Los Angeles Rams, and they are big game hunting. A few weeks ago, two weeks ago, they get Von Miller for the defensive side of the ball. Then they go out, get Odell Beckham for the offensive side of the ball, even going back to the offseason, then bringing in Matt Stafford last year trading for Jalen Ramsey. They have an amazing defense. You got the best defensive lineman, Aaron Donald, the best cornerback, Jalen Ramsey, one of the best linebackers who's not in his prime anymore, but Von Miller, Matthew Stafford, you know, can sling it. Henderson's been great running the ball. Cooper Cup leads the league in receiving yards. And now you're adding Odell Beckham to that mix. As we stand right now, I truly believe that the Rams are the favorites to win the NFC. On the AFC side, I know the Titans are number one right now, but missing Henry and having Peterson there, I don't think they'll get the number one seed. You know KC is going to figure things out. Buffalo's playing good, even though they lost to Jacksonville this week. You got Baltimore. Uh, you got a lot. There's a lot of teams. The Chargers. There's a lot of teams in the mix. You know, don't, don't count out the Patriots. The Patriots are sleeping right now. Um, don't count that, them out. And honestly, if he would have went, if Odell would have went to New England, that would have been interesting because it would have gave Mac Jones a weapon. But hey. 
NFL season, week 10, coming up tonight, and it's getting exciting. It's starting to get to crunch time, and as we stand right now, the matchups for Wild Card Weekend look great. You got the Cardinals in the NFC taking the number one seed, the Titans in the AFC taking the number one seed, so they'll get buys. On the AFC side, you would get the Pats at the Ravens, Steelers at Chargers, Raiders at Bills. On the NFC side, you got the Falcons at the Packers. Who would have thought the Falcons would be in the situation they are right now? Everybody thought that they were just tanking this year. Falcons have been a surprising team. You got the Saints at at the Bucks, which would be a dynamite NFC South matchup between those two teams. It feels like the past two, three years, these teams have been the past two years because before Brady got there, there weren't anything to sing home about. But the Saints and the Bucks meeting in the playoffs again, and then the Rams at the Cowboys. Can the Cowboys finally get a postseason victory? The Rams, they got the big killers with Odell Beckham, uh, Von Miller. They are going for broke. It's win now for the Rams. And you got to think the owner too. You know, you got the big new stadium in Los Angeles. You got, you're trying to bring new fans into the stadium. The stadium looks like it's been packed. There's been a lot of celebrities getting behind them. What better way to give it to the city of LA than winning a Super Bowl? And the Super Bowl is in LA. So, Look at that. Last year, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl in their hometown in Tampa Bay. It's never been done before. If the Rams make it to the Super Bowl this year, two years in a row in the history of the NFL, what, 53, 54 years, never happened. It might happen in back-to-back years. So week 10 kicks off tonight. We got the Ravens heading to Miami. The Ravens are favored by eight points. And uh, I don't like anything much with this game, but if you're following Digsy Picks, Digsy Picks has been on fire the last two weeks with the NFL. We're five and zero. Oh. We hit with the Chargers, Cleveland, and Atlanta this weekend. The week before, Carolina and Tennessee. And speaking about betting, big news coming out of the betting world a couple days ago. New York State has picked their sports books. There's nine sports books that will get licenses to allow people to do mobile sports betting in New York, and it's only a couple months away. They said they want to be 100% started before the Super Bowl, but I think that it will start sometime in January for the NFL playoffs because you know what? It's lucrative. The money that New York State's going to make with these gambling licenses is crazy, especially when they're taxing the sports books at 51%. Most states do 15, 20%. Uh, New Hampshire, I believe, is the uh, highest with around 50%, but 51%, that's crazy. And honestly, once you start. Once these sports books start opening and once you start making the bets, don't be surprised if you see the juice and the odds uh, being a little off than the rest of the country because these sports books need to make up for the money by paying New York State 51%. Um, don't be looking, you know, you're not going to get crazy free plays and, you know, the you know Ravens plus 50 tonight against the Dolphins you're not going to see much of that because hey at the end of the day it's a business you need to make money but it's very exciting that New York State is starting to allow the sports books open up for mobile sports betting it's going to start in a few months NFL football, NBA is rocking and rolling. College basketball started this week. Very exciting time to be a sports better, especially in New York. But speaking about basketball, let's get to the Knicks. And it's not all peaches and cream right now at the Garden for the New York Knicks. 
All right, so the Knicks have lost four of their last six. The season started off great. They were in first place, four and one. Things were clicking on all cylinders. They were hitting threes at a record pace, but the threes have stopped falling. They're not playing defense like they normally do, especially under a Tom Thibodeau team, and it's very disappointing. But you know what? Don't, you know, don't sound the alarms just yet because the Knicks started off slow last year. Look how they finished up with the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. They have a much better record now than they did at this point last year, but the defensive numbers have to be a little alarming. Uh, the Knicks have the fifth worst defensive rating this season out of all the teams in the NBA. Last year, they had the third best defensive rating in the NBA. And the thing that's alarming is they have a career high nights for Ricky Rubio, OG Ananobi, Pat Connaughton, and Jalen Brown. Now, Jalen Brown, that was on opening night, you, you would think, you know what, Jalen Brown's a top, what, maybe 40 player in the NBA? That's okay, but Ricky Rubio is way past his prime. Pat Connaughton, he's a role player, and OG Anobi's just coming into his own. So um, it's very alarming to see this happen for the Knicks right now because when you think of a Tom Thibodeau team, you think about defense and the they're not getting defense. The, the the team is not playing team defense, and it's it's crazy. They, they've allowed um, 119 wide-open field goal attempts. 28.2% uh, of all shots Knicks opponents have attempted this season have been wide open. That's the second worst in the NBA. Only the Rockets, who are in a complete rebuild, have allowed a greater percentage. Uh, over the final 10 games last season, New York only allowed 60 wide-open three-pointers, and less than 22% of the opponent's total field goals attempted were wide open. So, hey man, they're not defending these teams. They're not the defending the three-point line. Uh, through the first 10 games of the season, they allowed 91 open, wide-open three-pointers, uh, which means there's no def New York Nick defender within six feet, and that's the most wide-open three points attempted by any team allowed in the NBA this season. So, obviously, something is wrong with the Knicks' defense, and you have to think that it's eating Thibodeau up inside because Tom Thibodeau, man, he is a defensive-minded coach, and he wants his team to play good defense, and it it really surprises me that the Knicks are all about the three-point this three-pointer this year and aren't playing team defense because... Thibodeau isn't known for allowing his team to, you know, shoot as many threes as they have, but it, it's very surprising. Like I said, they lost four out of the last six. Sunday night to the Cavs was a game they should have won, but it's going to be known as the infamous Ricky Rubio game. He dropped 37 points at the Garden and the Knicks aren't playing good at home. They're what two and four at home on the year, five and one on the road, six maybe six and one on the road, and it just goes to show you that opposing players, man, when they come to the garden, they step up, and when they come to the garden, they want to put on a show, especially now with when the garden's filled with you know. To, to the brim with fans when last year it wasn't. But when the Knicks are making 15 threes or more, they're playing great basketball. They're four and one. When they're not making 15 threes, they're three and four. So, hey, the Knicks are living and dying by the three ball and that's okay. But you know what? If you're going to do that and you miss these shots, these other teams are getting easy defensive rebounds and they're able to get 
out on the fast break and the Knicks defenders aren't getting back and it's allowing for these wide open shots and the wide open three pointers and the opposing teams are hitting them and that's why our defense is struggling. That's why the Knicks are getting beat. Now, RJ Barrett, he went on a tear. There was a good five game period where he went on a tear and he looked like an absolute all-star. Last week, there was a five-game period. He had 25 points per game, 5.8 rebounds per game. He was shooting 50% from three, 57.1% from the field. But the most surprising thing about me is his defensive play. RJ has said time and time this year that he wants to be an all-NBA defender, all-first-team NBA defense, and he's been shutting down the team's you know, dynamic scorers. We saw what he did to Jason Tatum in game one. Uh, DeMar DeRozan in that Bulls game when the Knicks let the Bulls back into the game, which was a kind of a notion that was happening a lot in the beginning of the season. He shut down DeMar DeRozan. Um, So... RJ has been playing great. He is a bright spot for the Knicks. Randall, he's been hot and cold. Like he's he's either going off or he's not. Uh, the other night he had a monster night: thirty-one points, twelve rebounds, five three-pointers, and it was the fourth time as a Nick that Julius Randall tallied at least thirty points, ten boards, and five three-pointers made which tied Carmelo for the most such games in Knicks franchise history. So Julius Randle, he's padding the stat sheets when he's getting going and he's, you know, cementing himself to be an all-time Knicks great. We know he got the big contract. He'll be here for a while. So that's great to see. Now, one thing that has been upsetting me because I was so high on him last year. Obi, the second year player, Obi's playing well, but Emmanuel quickly, man, he's he's just a little off. Um, his field goal percentage last last year was .395. Now it's .338. His three point has went down from 38% to 30%. Uh, he's improved the last two games. He's shooting 55% from three. He produced double digit points in each game, um, but he had a very slow start to the season. And you know what? With the Knicks, we have great depth. We have a great bench. But you want to see a little bit more out of the second-year player IQ. Now, Mitch down low. The last few games, he's been getting beat. Evan Mobley, the rookie, took it to Mitch. And you know what? He put on that weight. He's playing better. He was playing better in the beginning of the year. He's hitting free throws, but you want to see Mitch do more down low, especially against a rookie. You've been in the league three, four years. How can you let a rookie uh, throw you around like Mobley did against Mitch? But you know what? It's early on in the season. Only 12 games into the year, and they currently sit 7-5 and five with the seventh spot in the Eastern Conference. Now, speaking about the Eastern Conference, the big team that has to be surprising everybody is the Washington Wizards. They're 8-3, number one in the Eastern Conference right now. You got the Bulls behind them at 8-3, and three, and after the Nets had a slow start to the season, they picked it up. They're 8-4 and four, along with the 76ers. The Heat, 7-4, and four, they're playing great. And on the Western Conference, conference the Warriors are absolutely balling Steph Curry is putting on a show you got Gary Payton Jr. killing it doing highlight dunks every night Uh, Moses Moody the young guys are playing great and they don't even have Klay Thompson back yet wait till Klay Thompson gets entered into this lineup honestly if I was going to put a bet on who I think is going to win the NBA championship right now as we stand on November 11th I would put my money on the Warriors I think they're the third uh the third uh 
worst, the third best odds to win the NBA championship right now. And I would put my money on the Warriors, man, because they are playing amazing ball. Curry's playing inspired ball. And you know Curry wants to get one or two more championships before it's all said and done. He wanted to win the MVP last year. He didn't get it. Maybe he's going for it again this year because um, around the league right now, I don't think there is anybody playing as good as basketball as Steph Curry. Um, The Rockets are playing horrible, but the Rockets have a superstar Budding right in front of their very eyes. Jalen Green, man, he is amazing. The stat sheet isn't great, but the monster high-flying dunks, when he's putting that ball down and dunking, he is dunking with authority, and he looks like he is going to be a superstar, a top-five player in the league in the next five years. And you saw he has a rivalry with Cade Cunningham. I'm sure he's upset that Cade Cunningham got that number one pick this year at the NBA draft because after most after uh, Jalen Green went by Cade Cunningham and slammed down that dunk last night, he stared down Cade Cunningham and he let him be known that, hey man, I'm the alpha of this rookie draft. And I think right now, at this point in time, Jalen Green is definitely going to be the rookie of the year. So, hey, NBA season is heating up. 12 games in, Warriors are playing great, the Wizards are playing great, the Knicks are playing, uh, meds are meds, but you know what, it's a long season, we got the Hornets tomorrow night, Friday night Knicks, hopefully the Knicks turn it around and they start getting some wins at the Garden because other than, you know, opening night and that game against the 76ers, they haven't been winning at the Garden and you need to protect your home court. All right, speaking about Madison Square Garden, the Rangers currently sit at 7-3-3, 17 points, second in the Metropolitan Division. But just like the Knicks, the last time we talked, the last time we had an episode, things were very bright in Rangers land, but it hasn't been as bright lately. They had that crushing loss against Edmonton uh, in overtime when they lost 5-4. Connor McDavid, that goal that he scored to tie the game up was probably one of the best goals I ever seen in my life. He pretty much went through four Rangers defenders, put it right over Georgiev's shoulder, and it was like swish cheese D by the Rangers. And then the next night, or two nights later, they go to Calgary, they get smashed 6-0. Um, they gave the Panthers their first loss of the year. They were previously undefeated coming into the game at the Garden Monday night. The Rangers won that game 4-0 three, but they were up 4 nothing. They let the Panthers back in the game. They only win 4-3. to three. And honestly, the MVP for the New York Rangers this year, I know Cried is killing it, but Shesterkin, man, he is playing amazing, amazing hockey right now. Now, looking at the analytics for that game Monday night against the Panthers, the Panthers had 41 chances to score. They only scored three. The expected goals was 5.17. The Rangers only had 16 chances to score. Or they scored four, but their expected goals was 2.66. So that just shows you right there how the Rangers are winning these games because their defense has been very, very suspect. And Shesterkin has been standing on his head. Uh, 42 shots to 18. And honestly, if it wasn't for the great play by Shesterkin, they would have lost that game. So it's very upsetting to see what's going on in Rangerland right now. And if you're on Twitter reading these posts about 
Lafreniere, Kako. You would think that the Rangers are 0-10, not 7-3-3, because it, it looks like the world's burning for Rangers fans because they're going crazy. And a lot of it has to do with Barclay Goodrow, who the Rangers signed this offseason after winning two Stanley Cups with the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, at first, I thought it was a good signing, but a lot of people are complaining that having Goodrow on this team is stunting the growth of Lafreniere and Kako. And Gallant put Goodrow on the top line earlier this month, um, and Gallant said that you know he doesn't say a word. If I tell him he's playing right wing tonight, perfect coach. If I tell him left wing and center, no issues with him. He's an easy player to coach. He does his job every night, and Gallant is leaning on him a lot instead of these young rookies because Gallant wants to win now. Um, recently, Sammy Blay went to that top line with uh, Kreider and Zabanajad, and you got Panarin, Strom, and Kaku on the second line, and Lafreniere, he's playing on that third line now with Goodrow, and I believe it was uh, Hedl. Um, but things are changing. The line changes have been a lot, and Lafreniere and Kaku, they haven't performed up to the level you think that they should perform at. And it's very upsetting to see because you got guys in the NHL, young guys like Lucas Raymond and Matt Sider with the Detroit Red Wings who are completely lighting the world on fire. Raymond was taken how many spots after uh, Lafreniere? Raymond was taken at the fourth pick. Lafreniere was the first pick. And Raymond right now had six goals, eight assists on the season. And Lafreniere, he not even close. He has three goals and one assist. So it's very upsetting to see that, you know, the uh, Rangers brought in this stud, Alexi Lafreniere. He was supposed to be the next Sidney Crosby. He played in the same league in Canada as Sidney Crosby. He was going to be a star and he's nothing. Uh, Capococco, he hasn't even earned one single point this year. Now, granted, he missed two weeks with the injury, but still, like, what is going on with the development of these young guys? And Chris Jory, who is now the GM for the New York Rangers, a lot of people are saying that he's not doing a good job. He's not allowing these guys to get the development they need. Maybe Gallant wasn't the right coach. I don't know. I, I, I still, you know, everybody's complaining and the Rangers are still in the second of the Metropolitan Division right now. Uh, they would be in the playoffs as it stand right now. But I understand why you're upset because, like I said, you got Raymond over there with the Red Wings. Lighting up the league, and we got our second-year player, Alexi Lafreniere, four points on the year, three goals, one assist, and the draft pick before that, Capococco, zero points. So these guys need to get going, and even Zabonajet and Panarin, their effective rating, you know, if you look at the analytics, they're down probably about 10 20% than what they were last year. It's still early on in the season, but I think that Gallant is changing these lines too much. Find something that works, stick with it, allow these guys to get some cohesiveness with their line mates, and you know, just keep plugging ahead and get these young kids out there more. Like two games ago, I don't think it was the Panthers game. I think it was the game before that. Lafreniere only played eight minutes. Like how is this kid going to grow when he's only playing eight minutes? And how is his confidence? His confidence is shot right now because Galan has him on the third line and he's only playing eight minutes a game. Now, obviously, I don't see anywhere for him to go up because you got Panarin and Kreider. You want to keep him on the left wing, but... You know what? I I don't know what the answer is. All I know is that the Rangers are playing, I wouldn't say good hockey, I would say decent hockey, but it does 
in the standings, it looks like they're playing decent hockey, but when you're looking at the product on the ice, it's far from it. Their defense is slacking. They can't get anything going on the power play, and it's upsetting to see. Kreider's having a great year. Shosturkin's having a great year. We found our goaltender of the future. Shosturkin's going to be a star, but these other guys need to get going. Now, another star of the team was just rewarded. Adam Fox signed uh, an eight-year contract, $9.5 million a year with the Rangers, and it's great to see that we got somebody locked in in that point position. You know, we haven't had a great defenseman like that since what, Brian Leach? And the thing that I think the Rangers should do is put the captain's patch on his chest, allow Fox to lead this team. Now, I understand that he's young and a lot of these players have been in the league, you know, a lot longer than him, but you know, Panarin doesn't want it. Who knows what's going on with Zabanajed? Kreider is the only other one I could see you giving it to because you know what? Kreider is signed on to a long contract as well. But Fox is probably one of the top 10 players in the league. He's a quarterback back there. He runs the offense. He's phenomenal. And I think it's time for the Rangers organization to finally put the captain's patch on Fox's chest and let's get this team going and let's get this team together. Because in hockey, it's it's great to have stars, but in hockey, it's it's a team sport. It, probably out of all the other sports, hockey is one of the biggest team sports. And where's the leadership on this team? Like the players don't know where to look. Galant's a first year coach. You got some vets in there. You know, Panarin is just all about scoring goals, this and that. He doesn't want the leadership. Give Fox the captain's patch. Let him figure things out. Let him get the guys going in the back. And I think that it will be a decent season. Do I think the Rangers are going to win the Stanley Cup this year? No. But I think they'll make the playoffs, and I think they can maybe win a playoff round. So we'll see what happens. Things are not great right now at the Garden for the Knicks, for the Rangers, and... It's upsetting because the last time I spoke to you guys in episode 11, things were looking very promising. Right now, it's not. There it goes. All right. Well, the GM meetings are going on right now for Major League Baseball and the New York Mets are there in town without a general manager. You can't make this shit up. They've offered the job to probably about three different candidates. Nobody wants to be the Mets general manager and it's starting to come out. Why? Now, Sandy Alderson said that he it's not a, a attractive job because, you know, we got a lot of stuff in place. They love their analytics department and they want to give these GMs, they want to give them a one-year contract. Prove your worth. Here's a one-year contract. Let's see what you can do. What GM that has any, you know, confidence about their ability is going to go to that team and take a one-year contract. And the big-time GMs, the guys that are assistant GMs with other clubs, they don't want to come to the Mets. They just see what's going on, and it's a circus. You thought things were bad when the Wilpons owned this team. Last summer, you had Steve Cohen making his bid. He gets the team. A billionaire Mets fan, as the owner of the Mets, it can't get any better than this it's been a nightmare for the Mets with his tweets, with his comments saying he's going to put a championship team on the field within three to five years. Maybe he's being blackballed by the other MLB owners because of the shit he did with the stocks and this and that. People don't like him. That's why they're not allowing some people in their organization to interview for the Mets. But the Mets have been a dumpster fire right now. And it's it's amazing to see like 
I feel bad for Mets fans because once Cohen came over, you were like, great. The Wilpons are finally gone. The circus has left town. Another circus has came along right behind them. And they keep offering jobs to this one, that one. No one wants to take it. The newest candidate was someone working in the Nationals organization who left baseball five years ago to be a lawyer. So you're going to bring in somebody that hasn't been in baseball that's a lawyer. What happened the last time you did that with Brody Van Wagenen to be your GM? That didn't work out good. So you know what? Why don't we make the same mistake twice? Let's bring this guy in for the Nationals organization. He hasn't worked in baseball in five years. Maybe he'll work out. Honestly, what are they doing in Queens? They need, you know, uh, Sandy Alderson has his son in there. He has his hands in this, that, the other. It's it's a dumpster fire. It's ridiculous. They need to clean house. They need to get somebody in there where the buck stops at me, a team president, you know, have Sandy step down. Sandy wants to step down and, and stay with the team at some capacity. You need somebody in there. Like, I know they were probably looking at Billy Bean, Theo Epstein. None of them want to work for Steve Cohen. They're already established. They could have any job they want. And then you hear rumors coming out that they don't want to sign anybody long-term because in case Cashman gets let go from the Yankees, they want to go after Cashman next summer, next uh, fall. After if that the Yankees struggle and Cashman gets let's go from his contract, the Yankees don't bring him back. You're going to bring in Cashman. You think Brian Cashman wants to go to Queens after he's hated the Mets for 20 plus years being the Yankees GM? It's uh, honestly, as a Mets fan, it has to be very, very frustrating because honestly, I don't I don't see how it's going to get better because nobody wants to be their GM. They're going to get a no-name GM in there. He's going to be a puppet for Sandy Alderson. What are they going to do in the offseason? Are they going to bring Baez back? Are they going to go out and get Chris Bryant? Who knows? But on the other side of town, the Yankees are looking to spend money. And Brian Cashman said at the GM meetings, he has multiple different conversations going on with a few agents for these shortstops. And Jeff Passan said on the Michael K show last week that he predicted Corey Seager will sign with the Yankees for over $300 million to play shortstop. So the Mets problem is they can't find anybody to be that general manager. The Yankees' problem this offseason is, do we want to sign a $300 million shortstop? Man, what a tale of two teams. I'm all for bringing Sega in. Uh, he's a lefty bat, a career 297 hitter, over 300 the last two years. He gets on base a .394 on base percentage the past year. And hey, you put a lineup like DJ, Seager, Judge, if Rizzo comes back, Rizzo, Stanton, Gallo won the six. It looks very good for me. So Seager would be a nice addition. Um, they recently went and watched Justin Verlander pitch. I would love to bring Verlander on this team. I understand all the shit with the Astros, but you know what? Let bygones be bygones. When you're trying to win a championship, you can't let you you can't put your feelings in the mix. Okay. So he was with the Astros. He was a cheater. Cole was too, whatever. Bring Verlander into this team. I think that's gonna help Garrett Cole. Because you know what? Once Garrett Cole became Justin Verlander's uh teammate, Garrett Cole became the all-star dominant pitcher. You put Verlander in that locker room, you let Verlander and Cole get back to Together, I think we'll see a lot better Garrett Cole uh, than we did next year than we did in the second half of this past season. And Boras came out and said that it was his hamstring uh, against Cleveland when he injured it. That's why he struggled last late last year. So who knows? We'll see. Uh, Carlos Correa, maybe Corey Seager. 
I'll take either or. And there is rumors that they're working on a deal with the Oakland Athletics to bring in Matt Olson to be the first baseman. So I'll take that, man. I, I like Matt Olson a lot. He's a lefty bat. He hit 39 home runs last year, 111 RBIs, got on base uh, 0.371% on base percentage. And you know what? It will fix. Honestly, I would love for them to bring back Rizzo. But hey, if they're going to bring an Olsen instead, he probably has a little bit more pop than Rizzo. I'll take it. But you know what? Just don't start the season with Luke Voigt as the first baseman. Because honestly, you don't, you can't trust Luke Voigt. And you need to get some more lefty bats in the lineup. So at the end of the day, I would love for Cashman, his big splash this offseason, bring in Olsen Bring in Sega, sign Verlander. You do those three things, the Yankees are contender to win the World Series last year. Now, center field is still up in the air. You got Aaron Hicks coming back. That's okay. I'll take it. Uh, I'll take the down. I'll take Hicks in center field if you give me Olsen and Sega. And then the big question is, what are you going to do with LeMahieu? Is LeMahieu going to play third and Torres second? Is LeMahieu going to play second? Who's going to play third? Is Gio going to be there? What's going to happen with Torres? There's a lot of questions marks for the Yankees right now, but it's good to see that the Yankees are being proactive and they're not going to be like, oh, well, you know, we were one game away from making it to the ALDS last year and we like the team we have. If the ball rolled a little bit different this way and that way, you know, we probably could have made it to the ALCS. No, you weren't good enough. You were lucky to get to the wildcard game. Boston mopped the floor with us. You need to add to the arsenal, make big changes. You already got Gallo coming back. He just won a goal glove and Yankee fans on Twitter getting mad that Gallo's winning a gold glove because he strikes out a hundred times a season or 200 times a season. Like, give me a break, man. I understand Gallo strikes out a lot, but you know what? He also hits a lot of home runs and he also gets on base. He's a phenomenal outfielder and he has power. So you know what? And, and he hits from the left side of the, of, of the plate. That's what we need. Yankee Stadium was made for left-handed hitters. So you know what? Give me a break getting upset that Gallo won uh, the the gold glove for right field. Because you know what? I'm happy Gallo's coming back. You give me Sega. You give me Olsen. You give me Verlander. I'll be a very, very happy Yankees fan. And hopefully Garrett Cole can get back to the first half performance that we saw this year. So anyway, it's an exciting time for baseball right now. The GM meetings are going on. Uh, we got the G- Giants on a bye this weekend. Then we head to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football next week. The Knicks play the Hornets tomorrow night. The Rangers had a nice five-day break. I believe they play New Jersey this weekend. So hopefully the Knicks get back on track. Hopefully the Rangers pick up their uh, play and play a little bit better. Giants get another win against Tampa Bay. That would be nice. I doubt it. And hopefully the Yankees make these moves. So we'll see you again next week. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Follow Digsies on Twitter, Instagram. We got the college basketball first half under system bets going on right now. Last year, we hit at a 70% clip, 34 and 14, 48 games. We started 0-2 with them, but it's the beginning of the season. They'll start rolling by. If you want to make some money, listen to that. Follow that. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yo, yo, it's Digsies, baby.